I'm Craig Kenneth, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me and you'll get professional help on your situation. And if you're in no contact, focused on personal growth, my workbook series, The Knowledge, will help you make changes like you've never made before. Available now at AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And today we're going to be talking about vital information to your breakups. I'm going to continue to talk about families, which is not always where we look to understand breakups. And there's a very important reason why we're talking about this. You and your ex did not live on an island by yourselves. Right. You didn't live in a bubble, and there are a lot of forces that had a big impact on your relationship that you're not aware of. Right. They're like hidden things going on behind your back that you're not aware of. Right. And we're going to try and expose some of those things so you could see it and maybe get some real insight as to why your relationship didn't work. Or to even see it coming, possibly, that mm -hmm. there are some factors that might make this difficult. And there were definitely factors like this in my Applebee's situation. Absolutely there were. And yes. it wasn't until I really started going to Margaret that I was able to put it together. But I knew something was wrong, that the dynamic of the family was very tight-knit, and certain people were the main focus of the family. Meanwhile, the spouses and the partners were kind of the outsiders. Oh, you had great insight on that. You could say there were certain, yeah, inner inside people in the family who could cluster together and no one else could get in. And ironically, yeah. none of those spouses are around today. None of you, no. No, all of all the people that were the outliers Absolutely. were gone. And did it occur to anybody at that point, to you or one of the other spouses, that you were going to be thrown out by the family of origin who appeared to love you. Nope. Didn't even cross your mind. Nope. And this is what we're trying to tell you. I know this is obscure theory. Um, but anyway, if you decide that you're going to leave your family of origin and go off with your partner to wherever, even if it's the next town, your family is not going to give you up easily. So the Even first, if you think they are. Right? So the first thing you're going to hear, well, I don't know if that's a good decision. You know, um, the prices in that town are much higher than they are here. Um, and what would happen if we needed you to, I don't know, fix the broken pump in the cellar and you're not here? What would we do? Mm -hmm. You really need to change your mind and make another plan. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, and if you don't, and if you do leave us, uh, there will be consequences, even though we're not going to tell you tell you what those are right now. We're going to punish you. Yes, the implied punishment is we're not going to love you anymore. Yes. Okay, and you won't have a family. Yep. And I have talked to numerous people who are able to say that much. Um, if I do this or if I don't do this, my family's going to cut me off and then I won't have a family at all. And I'm risking everything for I'm a relationship. Risking, yep. And I'm risking everything, well, that's right, for a relationship. And I don't know that I could manage without my family. 
And sometimes when you really analyze it, you find out that the most you're getting from them anyway is crumbs. But families do guilt extremely well, okay? And one of the things that people use when uh, logic doesn't carry the day is they will make people feel guilty. So-and-so needs you. Um, So-and-so needs you to help with their homework or they'll never pass whatever grade it is. Um, mom needs you to help her with the this, the that, and the other thing. What will she do if you move away? There are all these guilt trips that come up. Okay. So Guilt is a big one. Oh, guilt is a big one. Um, how, do, how do you think... I mean, how is it that these people know to instinctually use this guilt? I really don't know. But one of the things I have often said is when love fails, okay, guilt takes over. In other words, when a parent can't say, you know, if you love me, you won't do this or you will do this. And if you say no to that, if you healthily resist, it will be, how can you do this to me? I raised you. Look at all I've done for you. And most of us are quite well programmed to feel guilt at those things. Mm -hmm. um, I took care of you. I sacrificed for you. Um, I did this and I did that. I was in labor for 23 hours with you. I came across a mother who did that. I was in labor for 23 hours with you and you're going to do this. You're going to move to that other town over there. Mm -hmm. Okay? And oftentimes it works. If you're differentiated enough, it doesn't work. Alright? And you're able to say, you're going to be mad at me for a while, but you're going to get over it and I have to live my own life and make my own decisions. That's the goal, mm -hmm. but it's not that easy to get there. Yeah. Okay, so every time we have mother, father, child, we have a new family who's starting out with all sorts of great hopes and stuff. And the family will be on one scale or another of differentiation. They might be at the low end of the scale where they make impulsive emotional decisions or they might be at a higher end of the scale where they think longer and harder and make better decisions and where the family members are more differentiated. Okay, so think of a low, a low functioning family and a high functioning family. Now I'm going to talk about an extremely dysfunctional family. I have a question. Yep. Do you think that the age of the siblings is a, um, like certain ages, like the youngest one is takes on a certain role more than others, or the oldest takes on a certain role? Yes, and there's much written on that. At the time Dr. Bowen wrote, there was not much written on that, except by a psychiatrist named Dr. Toman. And people have written about that since. But it has more to do with the sibling order in the parents' family of origin. Interesting. They, yeah, they may have been close to a younger sibling or an older sibling, or all sorts of accommodations may have been made. Sibling, sibling position is an issue. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, if you're the if you're dating the youngest of the family members, right? Would they be less likely to be, or more likely to be individuated? They'd be more likely to be individuated because the older sibling will more likely have been made made a caretaker if there are younger siblings. Mm -hmm. Right. Got it. Yeah. Interesting stuff. It is interesting stuff. Okay, so I can see that too. you've got mother, father, child, and I'm going to talk about a family here that was extremely dysfunctional. If there were ways to be dysfunctional, this family has previously found them. Okay. Okay. 
and um, all of them were extremely dysfunctional. So this is a good example yeah. for you to look at my, some my, of the dysfunctions. My client was named Marianne and she told me I had lifetime permission to use her real name. And her sister, Raydeen, was coming to visit. Now, of course, because they were all a disaster, no one got along well with any, anyone. Marianne was among the older siblings and her sister, Raydeen, was among the younger. Radine insisted she was coming to visit Marianne. Okay. Now they had a triangle with their mother. Okay. Okay. Whom they affectionately called the old battle axe. So the old battle axe was in a triangle with her two daughters. And were the daughters older, like in their forties or something? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, these were definitely grown up people. And mother would be closer to Marianne at some points and closer to Radine at some points. Okay. Okay, so there's all this kind of shifting around of who's in favor, who's not in favor, who has treated the old battle axe better and who hasn't. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Radine insisted that she was coming to visit and Marianne didn't want her because she would come in, tell Marianne she does everything wrong, doesn't like anything about her house, and would scream at her and tell her to do everything she thought she should do. But Marianne could not say, no, you can't come. Because the rules of the family were, you would never do that. You will always let a family member come to your house. I was disappointed that Marianne couldn't do that, but she couldn't risk a fight with mom. I said, can you at least... Who wants to fight a battle axe? Uh, yeah, who wants to fight a battle axe? And she was quite the battle axe. Finally, I said to Marianne, can you at least set ground rules before you let her in your house? To Marianne's credit, she thought about it, and before she let Radine in the door, she said, there's going to be no yelling, there's going to be no nasty stuff, you're not going to put me down, I'm not going to put you down, and we are going to have a pleasant visit. Radine almost fell over, but in her confusion said, okay. <laughs> And they had a fairly good visit, and it improved everybody's functioning for a bit because everybody behaved in a healthy manner. I don't know how the old battle axe felt about it because it messed up her game for a few days. She couldn't play them against each other. And I bet she was fig trying to figure out how. Oh, she certainly was. Um, I gave her a few, a few bad days. But actually, subsequent to that, Marianne managed to make some progress because she didn't feel quite so helpless. Yeah. Okay? So she asserted herself even though she was terrified. And she would literally say, I can't afford to lose my family. And I would say, tell me again what you get from them. And she was very honest and worked very hard and would say, really, nothing but grief, but they're still my family. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, but she did make a beginning. All right. So when people start a family, it just takes those three people. And here's what happens when the family tries to manage in the world. If they're badly undifferentiated, they're going to have a very difficult time because nobody can make objective decisions, okay? So what happens? What happens is first there's marital conflict, okay? Because the parents who are pretty impulsive and emotionally ridden parents um, can't behave terribly well. If that isn't enough to sort of take care of the family problems, the next thing that happens is one spouse becomes dysfunctional. 
emotionally, physically, or socially. They get depressed, they get anxious emotionally, physically, they come down with something, sometimes a chronic disease, uh, sometimes an undiagnosed chronic disease that nobody can find an answer to. Yeah. And the last option for the family is to project the problems onto the children. And that's when you get the child being brought to the clinic and the family says, this is a terrible child, he or she does this, this, this and that. We can't do anything with this child. We need to get them out of the family and into a home somewhere so that they don't contaminate the other siblings. Okay? So these are the three responses to a family that can't manage. All right? Marital conflict, dysfunction in a spouse, and then an identified child who gets used to get help for the family. All right? So I'm going to tell you about a real family. This is the B family. Okay? And they have had their troubles. And I want to tell you the people who are involved in this particular play that I'm going to tell you about. Okay. There's a single mother um, who I'll call uh, Naomi, say. Okay. Uh, she has four children, now grown, 29, 27, 25, and 18. There's a, a happy accident in there. Uh, yes, yes, a happy accident. Um, there's the maternal grandmother and two sisters. So the single mother has two sisters and the maternal grandmother. Got it. All right. There are four children. The father. Are they all living together? I'll, I'll get there. Okay. The father of the children. Now you want to talk about dysfunction in one spouse. The father of the children. They were married, and there is a father. The same one. Um, he is a drug user and a drug dealer and has been in and out of jail for 25 years. Well, and how old is the oldest? <laughs> uh, 29. Okay. All right. So this guy has been in and out of jail. So when he. Well, heard we know why that accident came so much later. Yes, we do. He was in jail doing yes, some time. Yes, he was in jail. As soon as he got out. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Um, but in any case, when this man read, read the line that said, dysfunction in one spouse, he certainly knew what to do. Now, nobody knows these rules. We know from observing for eons that this is what happens. All right. So now we have a perfect triangle. We have the single mother and the maternal grandmother and the two sisters. Mm -hmm. Okay. So every day, the mother has contact with her mother mm -hmm. who lives nearby. Naomi's mother. Yeah. At the end of the unpleasant conversation, grandmother calls one of her other daughters. You'll note another triangle. To complain about Naomi? That's right. <laughs> to, yes, you knew that. To complain about Naomi. The two sisters live in other states, but that does not keep them from calling Naomi to complain that mother says she doesn't take good care of her and is overall not good to her. Yeah. All right. Naomi, of course, has spent her entire life trying to please her mother to no avail. Um, all right. So one or both sisters then call Marion yeah, to complain. And oh, Naomi has a fight with whichever sister calls her, or whichever sister calls her first, and says, you do nothing to take care of Grandma. I do all of it. And then you call me up and complain. <laughs> Which is so true. we all have another big fight. However, you will notice that we've all had contact. 
So on this given day, the maternal grandmother has had contact sometimes with all three of her daughters while she complains. The daughters have had contact with each other. I guess it doesn't matter whether we fight or not, at least we've had contact. Mm -hmm. Okay? <laughs> now we have these four children. How many children? Because it seems like there's about four. eight of them. There's four. There's four. <laughs> meaning the adults are children. <laughs> well, yeah, meaning the adults are children, yeah. Um, then mother, of course, is grumpy with her grown children who live with her um, because she's had a fight with her mother already in the day. And they you say mean Naomi is grumpy with her four. Yeah, with her four children. And they're saying, why do you talk to her every day? And she says, because she's my mother. Mm -hmm. Why do your sisters call you all the time? Because they believe her and everybody likes to pick on me. I'm the family scapegoat. All right. Now this family, you're going to love this, lives in a tiny camper trailer. Okay. How many of them are there in the trailer? There's the mother. Uh-huh. Um, one, one boy child has just walked away from the family. He couldn't deal with it anymore. There's a totally dysfunctional sibling who's a girl. She's the one who's 29. The 27-year-old boy works there. The 25-year-old walked out. And the 18-year-old is now finished with school and employable. All right. They are always on the verge of homelessness, and they usually live on two disability checks that mother and the oldest daughter get. Uh, and there's usually one salary coming into the house, but now the youngest one can work, so that will make two salaries coming into the house. Does this sound like fun? Wow. Could you imagine dating somebody right? that is in this situation? Right. You'd be exhausted. Yes, you would. There would never be any time for one-on-one -on -one with Naomi. No. Um, so one sibling's total, totally dysfunctional and on disability. The other, one has walked away from the family, um, but when he gets too far away, they triangle him back in. With um, guilt? With guilt. And, and he does come by and give his mother 20 or $40, but he always manages to get his due back. Recently, the bathroom ceiling fell in. I said, are you going to get it fixed? And they said, no, we can't. Why can't you? Because we have that guy's motorcycle in our living room. He needed a place to keep it. So they managed to stay connected in all sorts of almost creative ways. All right? So None we, of them healthy. No. So we have the two on disability, and then there's a, an older boy, and he is employed. Um, but not making a whole lot of money. Um, and we have the girl who just became employable when she finished school. So the two siblings who are able to work have been told by mother on no uncertain terms that they cannot make it out there on their own without the rest of the family. Now you want to understand that they are supporting the rest of the family. What do you mean we can't make it alone? Yeah. Right? Um, Mother lays serious guilt trips on the two func functional siblings and tells them of the dire things that will happen if they ever think of leaving and pursuing their own lives. Mother and the dysfunctional the guilt. Yeah. Mother and the dysfunctional sibling will be homeless because their combined disability checks will not get them any kind of housing. And in addition to all of this, they have two dogs, one of them huge, and a cat none of which would be allowed in public housing. 
Okay? So you want to talk about an insoluble problem. Um, wow. Okay? Exhausting. Is if it, you're dating somebody like this... Well, my next question to you and everyone is, is it a good idea to get engaged to either of the functioning siblings? You'd be exhausted all the time. You certainly would. And the youngest one appears to be the healthiest. Time will tell. Um, but it would be very plausible that people would begin to want to date her. And the older boy has had several girlfriends. And mother says to them directly, says to the people that the kids bring home, you can't marry them. Right wow. out front, right out there. Okay. Mother's lady. Everybody's like it's shaking their heads. They're like, what is this? Margaret Springer today? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, really. That's about it. Um, now, Mother has a fantasy currently that each of the functional siblings will get a job that will enable them to work from home. No, I'm not making this up. Why would you want to work from home? We have a motorcycle in the living room. The ceiling has fallen in, and there are too many people in this tiny place. She must be terrified. She is. Of being alone. She has a fantasy that one of them will become a chef. She has that in mind for the older well, boy. Sure, why not? You get to cook for everybody. Not only, yeah. But he can, <laughs> and he can work from home if he caters parties. And so then he can be home the rest of the time. And the other one, she thinks, should become a real estate agent. And she could leave, leave her house to, to show homes and stuff. But then come right back. But then come right. You got it. Then come right, right back. And I said to her as gently as I could, what if they want to be out on their own? And she totally ignored me until about the fourth time I said it. And she said, why would they do that? No one can make it out there on their own. All right. Did you want to say maybe you can't make it out there on your own? Right. But other people can. Right. Now, is this an undifferentiated ego mass? It is certainly that. And that's not, you know, meant to be a pejorative term. But it's like no one really has a sense of self outside of this crazy crowd. Wow. Who are stuck together in every way humans can be stuck together. Um, and, you know, it can, it can look good periodically. They can do okay for a while. But then if there's any kind of a crisis, like they become homeless, which they do periodically, or a disability check gets messed up, um, any or drama. any little thing, yeah, any drama, that's right, then they're totally in crisis. Wow. Okay. Um, and I think I know of at least four dedicated professionals who have worked with these people over the years. I'm not one of them. No, you're not <laughs> one of them, but you know me and you know another one of them, and there was a, a, a heroic case manager before her. Um, who had done her very best with this crowd. And they're very grateful for intervention. They just sort of don't know what you're talking about. Um, wow. Now, when the boy who walked out of the house um, was, a, was a child, he was the identified child. And he was the one that they'd always show up all together, of course, at the clinic with. All right. Fix him. That's exactly right. There's something wrong with him. Fix him. He won't do what I tell him. Okay, let him leave. Yeah. That'll help him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so finally he walked away from the family. And he has made a, a, a pretty creditable attempt to separate. But when the system gets crazy, he's right back with his motorcycle. Or his dog. 
and the large dog that they have that will enable them not to go to public housing is his. So he kind of keeps in there, you know, in there fused with them. Yeah. But he was the one who was identified as the bad child. And of course he had therapists and was diagnosed bipolar and didn't take the medication and all kind of crazy things happened. And then he just walked away. And he has found girlfriends and lived with their families for years. Okay. Anything to get away from that family, Anything right? To He's get away thinking, from I gotta get out. He, that's yes. He has made an attempt, but he can't quite. He can't quite. What? You see, these are the kinds of things that are going on. And this is an extreme example. This is an extreme, and I did it on purpose because we needed an extreme example to to make it clear what we're talking about. But yes, this is the kind of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Yep. And unless you know the family history extremely well. Um, none of this is going to occur to you. And, and the other thing is, if you start to look at just friends of yours and, your, and, and friends and their families, right. you're going to start to realize that there's a lot more of this going on than you realized. But Margaret has been studying this for 400 years. Yes, 400 years at least. Um, and yeah, and I know that this goes on behind the scenes. And there are very quick things to look at. Um, there used to be an old song, I met her father, her mother, her sister, and her brother, but I never see Maggie alone. Now that's an old, old song that people probably don't know, but they certainly had the idea. Yeah. Um, so if you get introduced to a family that looks like they're totally stuck together, fused, do everything together, it's not cute and it doesn't necessarily mean they love each other it may mean that they can't function independently. And that's going to mean they can't function right. with just you. That's right. And so then you're going to wind up with a breakup. So one of the things you want to ask yourself in any relationship, is my partner free to make a commitment to me? And it may look like they are. They may be single. They may look like they've been dating and looking for someone. They may say they want a long-term relationship. But you can't imagine some of the difficulties that can be thrown into their way. Um, not because anybody wants to sabotage anybody's happiness, but because families cannot, do not want to give them up. Exactly. All right? You threw a whopper out there for I them threw today. a whopper out there. But I, I, I think the most whopper part of it is dysfunction in one spouse. That guy, just, yeah, he did it up really well. For those of you that were able to sit there through the entire thing and process all of this, yeah. we, we commend we you. We commend you, Because yes. that was a lot to take in, yep. and that was a lot for you to think about and, you know, kind of assess. But these are the kinds of things that we're thinking about when we're looking at your situation. And these are the kinds of things I'm seeing often. Tell me about your partner's family. They love me. Well, tell me more about that. I have another case I can think of that I have currently where a very high-functioning man has gotten very attached to a woman who I think comes from a very dysfunctional family. And he's heartbroken and wondering what he did wrong. And I'm trying to say to him, you didn't do anything wrong. I if can you consider you, disrupting the system. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He really considered disrupting the system, and there's a grandchild involved, and if she gets too involved with him, she and the grandchild could move away. 
Um, however, he's her best bet. And I hate to see her miss the opportunity, and I'm sorry that he feels so bad. But I don't think he's going to win. A lot to think about. Yeah. So we see it fairly frequently. So please bear with me when I, when I make my inevitable comments about look at your family of origin and look at her family of origin. Absolutely. Don't forget to look at yours. One of the things that happened around this psychiatrist guy, Dr. Bowen, that we're talking about, is he did an extensive analysis of all the triangles and the craziness in his own family. Now remember, this was a big crowd who worked in the department store and were his family. But he did a careful analysis and he wrote about it. People were so interested in that, there came to be what they called Bowen coaches, who would analyze their own families and then hire themselves out as coaches to help other people on their journey to understand their family. All right. That's all the rage for quite some time. All right, so hopefully you... And that's my story. Hopefully, uh, Margaret Springer... <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, ...did not overwhelm you too much with all this information because it really was a lot to take in and piece together. But, you know, some of you guys are really going to be fascinated by this stuff and say, wait a minute, this right. was going on in my situation. It, it goes on to some extent in every family. Absolutely. Right. So, of course, when you want to get our help personally, just go to my website, AskCraig.net. Sign up for the coaching option that works best for you. I do email coaching. I do Skype. Margaret is also available for Skype coaching. And I'd love to talk with you if you dare. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. But that's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And we will talk with you soon.